0: Someone uh, gave me a book uh, over the holidays. It was written by um, Microsoft's new CEO, Satya Nadella. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I think he's been the CEO for about four years. I came across a podcast of his uh, earlier this fall, and I found it uh, quite interesting. And so a friend of mine ended up giving me this book. And, and it's kind of detailing the last four years of Microsoft's kind of life, where they kind of hit a real lull, a real kind of downpoint, figuring out who they are, what's going on, seeing other companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon really take the global stage and and them feeling a little bit like a little stuck and so reading a little bit of their story their recent changes and feeling like they lost the why of 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 what they're doing they they lost a little bit of the heart of what they're doing and even lost like a distinguishing factor like what distinguishes them in the world of technology what makes them who they are and what they're about and um satya the the ceo tells a story of his son um one, one of his kids, I believe they have three children, and his son in the late 90s was uh, was born, and they discovered he was very special needs and had a lot of, of, of illnesses. Uh, much So much so that he was uh, in the hospital very often, hospitalized, needed that kind of constant care and attention, really for his life. And uh, a guy like Satya, who has come from... Um, uh, a background, initially born in India, uh, growing up there, moving to the States, uh, having opportunity, and obviously in in his own world, being successful, and having a lot of control over things, realized, I don't have control over this. And he learned so much in that season of his life, and he, he tells a story in when he was now the CEO of Microsoft, sitting in a hospital room with his son, now older, and he's sitting there quietly, and uh, he's listening to the buzz of the equipment, the monitoring that's going on uh, of of the health of his son, um, the lights that are that are that are kind of flickering on the equipment, the tests being taken place, and he's looking at the names and the brands and um, behind this, and he realizes, oh, Microsoft is behind a lot of this equipment, like their their software and their code and and Windows is is behind a lot of what they're doing, and he started to make this connection. He he started to he started to really think about who what he's doing, and he. For so long, he thought, like, well, what, what's the point of what we're doing? And he's sitting there, and he began to realize that he and his team, every day what they do actually matter for people. For people in hospitals, for, for people that, that uh, need this kind of equipment. And right there, in that moment, his own son needing the product and services and software and code that Microsoft has actually been producing. And he had this moment realizing there is something here that I've missed. I've missed this distinguishing factor of who we are, that it actually matters, that it actually ta- plays a role in the world of technology and, and software and health and society. It wasn't just chips and code in that moment. It, it really mattered, and something sparked. And when you think about it, really what sparked for him is he discovered that they had something unique about them that they forgot, now, whether you like Microsoft or not, if you're a gamer, you know what the Xbox is. Um, some of you have the Surface Pro. Some of you still use Windows or like Windows. Um, some of you use whatever of their services. But for him in that moment, he discovered something unique about them that they forgot. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading in just my regular Bible reading, not part of a message or or church stuff, or sermon prep, and I came across, um, I was reading through Ephesians, and the last couple of verses of chapter 2, they just jumped out at me. And it's kind of this, this, this jump out of like, wow, this is really important, this really matters. And I want to read it uh, together with us today, these last few verses of chapter 2, and specifically the last verse. And it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And here's this verse. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Yeah, we'll read this again. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Something that day kind of just caught my attention just in my regular Bible reading about my own faith and about our own church community and had nothing to do with, you know, what's coming in 2018, it had nothing to do with, uh, you know, a new location, it had nothing to do with, you know, how are we doing with this ministry or that ministry. Because here's the deal any person or any group can get caught up with stuff, with tasks, with doing things, with, with goals, with events, right? And it can happen to you personally. It can happen in your family, right? You look at your schedules and your calendars. It can happen in your relationships that, oh, you know, like it just, just kind of like doing relationships or just meeting with people. It can, it, can, it can happen at work where work just becomes whatever or it becomes routine. It can happen in a church as well. Even in a church, a spiritual community, yes, that's meant to be dynamic and meant to be led and governed and fueled by the work of God. But even in a church, we can get caught up with this. And this, that said, there's something unique. When I read this, it made me realize there's something unique about what you and I have in Jesus Christ and what you and I are a part of as a local church community. There is a distinguishing factor in who we are in Christ and what we are as a church community. And verse 22 really points to that. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This verse kind of just, just jolted me in that day. And this idea that you too, me too, us too, we are being built together to become a dwelling place Um, a space, a community, something that houses God's very own spirit, that you too, that we too are part of this incredible thing that is being unveiled through Jesus Christ from the cross and the resurrection and the sending of God's spirit, this beautiful unveiling that God is doing. And more intimately, that God actually seeks to present or to be present in us and in our church and through us that God is actually fitting us together to become this dwelling place, that God's putting us together, working in us, fitting us together into a community of people where he will live and dwell by his own spirit to accomplish something in you and through you and through us that's beyond what we can imagine and in the world through us as well. And I I think we should all have this Microsoft CEO moment of awakening. It's like... Oh, this really matters. Oh, my faith and my relationship means something. Oh, this, this church and my church community and, and, and even being connected to the church abroad, it actually means something for my life and my faith and my relationship with God. It all matters more than I have realized. I think we need to all have that kind of awakening moment. And what's this distinguishing factor Really, it's this idea that God will dwell in us by his Spirit. It's, his Holy Spirit is the distinguishing factor. That God is fitting us together to be a place where he dwells personally. I mean, that, that's the wow factor. That's this, wow, this is true. That, and it's not that we're so amazing or we've done something great or we've done anything to deserve this. But it's that God would fit us together to be a community so he could be present and active among us. There's nothing we could have done that could have made this possible or merit this kind of privilege. And I think about how our world works and our culture works. I was thinking specifically about teenagers and young adults. And, and, you know, if if that's you here this morning, this kind of world that just races around, you know, Often, like, what people think of me, or my merit, or have I done well in school, or am I good at sports, or do I look good enough, or how many people have liked my Instagram post? I mean, adults do that too, but, you know, and this, this whole kind of, like, race in that, that we feel like we need to do something and look a certain way and feel a certain way and accomplish something, and then we merit something really good from society, And what Paul is saying here is that this is nothing that we could have done. This is God building us together so he would dwell among us by his spirit. And it's by God's grace that he allows this, that he fashions us in this way. There's a bit of a backstory of what leads to make this possible and, and these couple of verses just before verse twenty two give us a little bit of a, a hint of that. The first is is that the church fulfills a unique purpose. The church fulfills a unique purpose, that we are are fulfilling something unique in God's plan. And it has it has centers around the temple. This idea that, that in the temple, like in the Old Testament, it's funny because we sang about this this morning. We're singing like, better is one day in your house and thousands elsewhere. And it, it does have an Old Testament kind of theology. And, and I might mess us up as I share this this morning. But it doesn't. it's okay, we can still sing the song. Um, but here's the thing. The temple for the, for the, in the Old Testament and for the Jews was the center of life for Israel. Political and religious and celebration and musical and feasts and social and all kinds of things. But more than that, they believed that heaven and earth met at the temple. That heaven and earth met at the temple. That God's presence was there. That God was present among them through the temple. But we read here in Ephesians 2 that in Christ, God was doing something new, fulfilling the temple's purpose through an expanded people, the church. Verse 21 says that we have been joined together and we rise to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, in Jesus, the whole building. When you think about the whole building, you can think of the different metaphors. Temple, building, house, community, church. The whole building, people, joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In other words, the place where heaven and earth meet. That's you and me. That's the church that God would indwell us by his Holy Spirit and indwell us together. N.T. Wright says, God was now seeking to make his home in the hearts and lives of people and communities that declared their loyalty to Jesus and determined to live by the gospel. That heaven and earth would now converge not in a, not in, in a place, in, you know, in concrete walls, but in people who declare Jesus as Lord and in the communities of Jesus followers that would grow and start, those that would worship him, call him Lord. See, and you and I can experience God's presence personally and we together, together God dwells among us that through us the world would actually see God. It's an amazing new piece in God's story in the New Testament, and it's one distinguishing factor that we are in Jesus, and it gets us to this kind of key distinguishing factor of him dwelling among us. The next little factor is this, that we're formed into this unique community. It's not just that we fulfill the temple. We're formed into a unique community of people. In verse 19, um, in verse 19 it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with who? With God's people, and also members of his household that word household you kind of two ideas one israel was god's house the house of israel was was god's people but in in the in the greek and roman world a household was this extended family if if you talked about like if you would talk about my household in the first century in the Greek and Roman world it wasn't just my wife and I and my two kids it was our it would be our extended family our our cousins our uh, you know a brother in law a sister in law a mom a, a grandmother uh, whatever this this extended family and so in the Greek Roman world to say a household was not one two three or five people it was an extended family of people and when you put these two metaphors together the house of Israel and this extended family you get this idea that when Paul says We are God's household. We're God's extended family. We're part of God's family. We're his children. And there's spiritual relatives together in God's family. And we're not just fulfilling the temple of God, but now we've become, imagine, the extended family of God. The extended family of God. When you're part of family, there's this idea that relationship and provision and favor and protection and resources all become part of what that means to be family. And if we're part of God's extended family, he feeds us and provides for us and protects us and leads us and guides us and sets the tone of who we are as part of his family. And Jesus is the glue of all that. Verse 22 says, In him the whole building is joined together. In Jesus, Jesus becomes the glue of this family. So we have this idea that we've fulfilled this particular purpose, as we're now this new temple that where God dwells. We're God's extended family. But here's this climax distinguishing factor. We're filled with a unique power and presence. We're filled with God's very own presence. And that's this moment to step back and say, wait a second, have I, have I neglected this, this truth about what it means to be a follower of Jesus? This truth about what it means to be part of the body of Christ? Verse 22, in Christ we're being built together, right? together to become a dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. We are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I mean, usually when you think about of a product or something, or you buy pop, or you buy, you know, you know what's kind of in the bottle, right? And that's kind of what fills the bottle. And it's like, cool, that's Coke, that's juice, that's water. This idea that we, together, where God would actually dwell us, dwell among us, dwell with us. And the word dwelling is similar to the word in the Old Testament called tabernacle, where where God was present. And so if you make it a verb, he tabernacles among us. He dwells among us. He dwells with us. He's present with us. He fills us. And so this new temple, this new family, this dwelling together, God wants to be present with us and in us. And this makes us unique. This makes us different this is the distinguishing factor of what it means to be a Christ follower and be part of God's church. And I realize that this is the distinguishing factor for my life. I'm not, I don't just exist to do things. I don't just exist to make something happen. I don't just exist to, um, to use my skills. That there is this part of who I am for my life and my faith and being part of a church community that makes me uniquely different than anybody else. Not better, than anybody else I meet on the street, but uniquely different. There's a distinguishing factor about you and me. If we call Jesus Lord and we're a community of Christ followers, there's something different about us. Not because anything we've done or any any good we've done or any ways that we look, but because God would actually choose to say, I'm going to dwell among these people. I'm going to fill these people. I'm going to fill this group, this community, and their lives, each of them up where God is among us. Now, it's pretentious to say that. In our, church, in our culture today, if you walk to your neighbors and say, God is among me. <laughs> God, you know, if you want to come to our church, why? God is among us. They'd be like, get the heck out of here. What are you talking about, right? Now, we, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't say it that way, but as we read the scriptures, there's this amazing truth and privilege that God is actually among us, that God is actually present with us. So if there's anything that I long for you and for me, And for Westside, as we move into 2018, and and I know there's some great goals we have this year, but if there's really at the heart of what I I truly long for, for a church community, is this, this realization that God is actually among us, that God is actually present, that God is actually with you and wants to lead you, and guide you, and fill you, and teach you, and convict you, and empower you. And that as a church community, he wants to do the same with us together. Not just as individuals, but together. He's fit us and fitting us together to become a dwelling where he would live by his Spirit. And if there's something I would long for more than anything else this season, is that, that we would realize that, that we would lean into that, That we would recognize this and and live differently and open our lives up because of that. And here, here are some of the implications. When God lives among us, when God lives among us, we have a power beyond our limitations. Now, I don't mean crazy powers. I just mean that God actually empowers us. Often to do things that we don't feel adequate for. Often to accomplish things that we don't feel skilled enough for. Sometimes they get through a a situation that feels too difficult to walk through. Or a suffering that feels too difficult to get through. Or a school program that feels too overwhelming to, to finish. Or a relationship that either feels too overwhelming to fix or too overwhelming to walk away from. Whatever that might mean. The Holy Spirit, when he empowers us, he gives us power beyond our limitations beyond our weaknesses, beyond where we fall short, the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us and give us power beyond our limitations. I think as a church community, when the Spirit fills us, He gives us a unity beyond our diversity. He gives us a, a sense of community and belonging and unity that's beyond our diversity, where the world says, segregate, separ- separate, uh, look at each other differently. Within the body of Christ, as the Holy Spirit begins to change us and mold us and fill us, all of a sudden, diversity doesn't become an obstacle. It becomes an opportunity to come together and to know that Jesus has brought us together and to reflect to the world that this is possible, that, that, that a unity is possible beyond our diversity. I think about... When the Holy Spirit fills you and me, he gives us this this ability to be intimate with him and even in community in terms of sharing with one another beyond our brokenness. Because often our brokenness stops us. When we feel broken, when we feel inadequate, when we feel like we've messed up, when we feel like a failure, we often block the wall. The wall just comes up in terms of intimacy. Intimacy with God because we feel like God doesn't want to listen to me. And often intimacy with each other. Why should I share this brokenness with someone? Why, why should I let them know about my failure? Why, why should I let them know what I struggle with? Why should I let them know that I hurt myself? Why should I let them know that I've, you know, I, I have this horrible uh, opinion of myself? When the Spirit works in us, we can grow an intimacy beyond our brokenness. Beyond where our brokenness stops us. And I love this one. And... This has been, uh, I think this is a great perk with the Holy Spirit. God gives us wisdom beyond our knowledge. That, that in moments when we feel like we've come to the end of our ropes of what we know and what we understand, that we can discover a wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit in us that is beyond our knowledge. Remember Erwin McManus, have you ever heard of him? He's a pastor in L.A., and he was invited to speak at some debate with the philosopher. But he's not, a, he's not one of those apologetic guys. He's not a philo- philosophical guy. He loves culture. He loves people. He loves Jesus. He loves the world. He just loves, you know. So he's like, they asked him, why are you here? Like, why, you know, like, do you have any, any kind of arguments? And he was talking, and he did a great job. He said, you know what, I just believe that I know more than I'm supposed to know because of Jesus, like I just, I just know more than I'm supposed to know because of Jesus. That might sound pretentious to some of you, but what he was saying was that when we're walking with Jesus and when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, God often gives us wisdom beyond our knowledge, beyond our understanding, beyond our discernment. I love that. But here's this, this next piece, and we're going to end uh, with this idea. We are still becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. That's part of what Paul says too, right? In him, we are being built together. We're being built together. There's something still happening. God's still fitting the pieces together. He's still maturing us. He's still nurturing us. He's still uh, working in us. He's still mending pieces together. He's still strengthening and fastening. He's still strengthening our hearts and our lives and our minds. He's He's still challenging us. And as he does that... This capacity of what we're being built together to house God's Spirit gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and so we are still becoming whatever God wants us to become, so that His Spirit would dwell among us in all fullness. Because I, I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, the, I believe that I still need to grow for God to continue to do more in me. And as a church community, I don't think we're I don't think we've, we're, we're done. I don't think it's like we are the perfect vessel for God to work through. This vessel called Westside is immaculate. There's perfection. There's no imperfections anywhere. It's just great and perfect, and we are the perfect basin for God's presence. End of story. Wouldn't that be cool? That's not true. We're all imperfect. We're all walking through stuff. We all struggle with stuff. We, there's things within our church community that still need to grow and, and get worked out. So when Paul says, we are being built together, to become this dwelling place. We're still becoming this. So here's a few practices that I think is going to help us nurture this. As we look towards 2018, as we look towards how do we continue growing this way, this, this first one comes to mind, and it might not be the first thing you think of, but it's something God really laid on my heart, and it's this. Let's practice reconciliation. Let's practice what it means to reconcile with people in our lives. To reconcile with maybe people in our church. To reconcile with Family members, because when there is conflict, and when there is lack of forgiveness, and when there is um, animosity between people, that is one of the one of the biggest hindrances for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us freely. And I believe that one of the practices we can learn this season is to reconcile with each other. If we're going to be built together, we need strength in unity. So here's my challenge to you. Has someone wronged you? someone wronged you lately? Maybe a month ago? Maybe six months ago? Maybe three years ago? Have you reconciled with that person? Have you reached out to them? Have you let them know? Do they know that they've wronged you? There's a process. We don't have all the time to walk through that, and I'd love to help you if you need that, but this idea of have you... Can you reconcile with them? Has someone wronged you? And I know this happens. Just a friend of mine just this week said, hey, I have some family members coming over tonight. It's going to be a tough night. I said, why? Well, because um, um, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so haven't talked for four years. But I've made them all come together for supper. So we're going to have fun. (laughs) And so... But it just tells me this is just true. It happens. It happens in life, in families, in relationships. So if someone has wronged you, let them know and move towards reconciliation. Have you wronged someone? Is there a moment where you need to come to them and confess and ask them for forgiveness? What kills our capacity for God to dwell among us more than so many other things is this lack of reconciliation. But if we want to give it names, it's pride. It's entitlement. It's gossip. It's gossip slander its envy its indifference these things are walls and they poke holes in this dwelling that god is building so he can dwell among us by his spirit let's pursue reconciliation but here's here's some easier ones okay <laughs> Scripture Verse 20 says that, you know, through what the apostles and prophets have done and through the work of Jesus Christ, that we, we build on this foundation. God is building us into this community. And so this faith, our faith and our community is built on something beyond ourselves and we find it in the scriptures. So if we are going to grow, if we're going to make this, this basin or this container that we call the church stronger and each of us individually, we need to grow in the scriptures. So just like Paul says, hey, just like you're founded on the apostles, and the prophets and Jesus being the cornerstone, well, you know what? That's what we grow from. So we go back to that over and over again and we seek the scriptures and we read the scriptures and and, and we just let God speak to us through that. And, and that's so, so important. It builds our capacity to become a stronger dwelling individually and as a community for God to be at work. So here's my challenge to you. It's not some crazy challenge to read the Bible in 90 days, but if you take 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, even if you take Saturday and Sunday off. If you take 15 minutes a day and get in the scriptures. If you take 15 minutes a day and immerse yourself in the scriptures and pray through the scriptures. We specifically provided a, a tool for that today with this, um, with this two-year plan. A simple plan. Sundays are off. Saturdays are the Psalms. And you got a little bit to read. You can take the discovery version. You can read your own plan. You can start in the Gospels. I, really doesn't matter to me at this moment what you do, but my goal, my hope for you is take 15 minutes a day and let the Scripture speak to you. Make that a practice in 2018. Second practice as we move towards this is community worship. The Scripture says, In Him we are joined together. It means we don't love Jesus by ourselves. We don't grow in Jesus by ourselves. We don't reach the community on our own. We don't experience God only by ourselves in our quiet times. We are a community together, joined together. And so when we come together for worship like this on Sundays and and open the scriptures together and, and listen to each other and grow together, we gather in Christ's name. And you know this promise of the scriptures? Christ and God's spirit is among us. So if we want to fulfill part of Ephesians 2.22, that God is building us into a dwelling where he lives by his spirit, when we come together, that happens. That happens. And then this last practice, and it's, and it's something where we, it's like, it's like a roller coaster. It's kind of like dieting in your life, right? Does, does this feel like dieting in your life? <laughs> I don't know about you, but like, you know, whether it's dieting or exercise or doing something, here's the th- this is what prayer looks like in most of our lives, Right? We want to pray so much, and then we haven't prayed for months. We want to, even a church community, let's be a praying community. Let's have a prayer night. Let's do that. And it's like, we go up and down, and that's what it feels like. But My heart, just as I share with you this morning, is that we need to learn to pray together. We need to learn to pray together. This Wednesday is an opportunity, 7 p.m., to come together, seek the Lord in prayer, We've been trying to establish pre-gathering prayer for a half an hour be- behind the stage here on Sundays at 9.45. Um, we know there's pockets of prayer groups happening in our church community. Our community groups take time to prayer time. We need to learn to pray together. So would, outside of 15 minutes a day, would you join us on Wednesday and pray? Would, would you ask the Lord, Lord, I want to I grow in this this season. Pray through the scriptures you read. Whenever there's opportunity, just take it so you can learn to grow and pray in, in a significant way moving forward. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we close. And I love this, this, these two words. And I'll end with this. These two words in Ephesians 2, verse 22. Paul says, and in him, and these are the two words, you too are being built. You too are being built. You too. Me too. See, the people Paul was writing to were. People that thought that maybe God's work was done with Israel. Maybe God only treasured the Jews. And, you know, he had that whole season um, with the Israelites. And, you know, he was doing something maybe different with us, but not like them. And, but Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Because of the power of the resurrection. You, too, are part of God's plans and purposes. You, too, are part of this this building, this structure, this community that God is, is building. You too, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You're in our citizens of God's people, part of God's household. You too are part of this. In you too, God wants to dwell. In you too, God wants to work. In your life, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your studies, in your relationships, in our church, you too. Me too. Us too. We are being built together as a dwelling place where God wants to live by his spirit. It's not for other people. It's not just for the pro-Christian that's sitting three, three feet from you. I don't know who they are. But it's not for the people who pray loud. It's not just for the people who love to worship or are more expressive in worship. It's not for the people that are in a community group or not or serving or not. You too. It's for you too. God wants to dwell you, wants to live in you, wants to, wants to make his presence known in you, and he wants to do it in us. It's not just for the church down the street or the church you see on TV or the church that worships so loudly or the church that has 3,000 people or 20,000 people. Us too. God wants to dwell and live and work among us. Amen? You're the champion of heaven and earth. Lord, we bow down to you. We bow down to your son Jesus as Lord. We welcome the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, in our finances, in our homes, in our workplaces. In all that we say and do, God, shape our thinking, shape our thoughts. God, may we be so aligned with the ruling and reign of your son Jesus so that in what we do, God, may there be a glimpse of heaven. May there be a glimpse of your rule, your heart, your kingdom. God, we know this is only possible because you, you have included us as we've declared Jesus as Lord. You are building us into a dwelling where you will live by your spirit. Oh, God, may that be increasingly true of us. And, God, we come alongside and invite you to continue to grow us and work in us. And through the Lord, as we engage some of these spiritual practices, God, we know that they are not the solution, but they are just helpful streams in our lives that you can work with as you fit us together to become a dwelling where you live and reign and rule by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. God, that is our desire above everything else in this coming year, above anything else that we do or accomplish or see or realize or dream, God, our heart is that your Holy Spirit would fill us individually and together as a church community, God. And we pray this in Christ's incredible and holy name. Amen.